What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of Santorian Hawk's Favorite Albums, brought to you by Trucky Pacific Productions. I am one of your hosts, author David Hawk. And with me is my co-host, stand-up comedian, part-time Maynard James Keenan stunt double, and the Santori of Santorian Hawk, Mike Santori. Mr. Santori, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, joining me for this uh, first episode here. Um, so uh, what Santorian Hawk's favorite albums is about, it's a podcast where we talk about you know our favorite albums. Uh, it's so hard to come up with a concrete top 10 favorite albums list. Uh, don't you think that's right, Santori? That's pretty much right. I mean, there's like so many of them out there. It's just like, how do you like really choose to narrow it down? But, you know, we, you know, uh, I've asked this question many times to my friends and they have a hard time doing it too. But um, for this particular reason why I narrow it down to five, but I mean, that's just my opinion and that that probably will change as the years to come. I mean, this is how I feel about it right now, but I'm sure that my five ideas will change in the future. Who knows? Absolutely. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, the top five is always fluid. I, I know uh, when we were just like shooting the, the shit about the show and kind of planning it out, we were talking about like, give me a list of your top five. And we just couldn't do it because I have my top <laughs> five right now. And that blends so much in my top five all time. It, it's hard to just come down with top five. I mean, like, you know, my top five right now is vastly different than my top five, you know, two years ago. Wouldn't you right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like I said, you know, I have a top five at this moment, but I know in the future it will change. So as of right now, I have a top five that I think that is my top five as of right now. But again, it will change. Like it did, you know, two years ago, I didn't feel about this top five that I do feel about now. Yeah, it's evolution. It's always you know, revolving. It, absolutely. Evolving, evolving. Yes. It's always evolving. And, <laughs> and so that's why we kind of narrowed down to, you know, our favorite albums. We're not coming down with like a top 10 list or anything. Uh, so what we'll be doing is picking one of our favorite albums uh, every couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to listen to them again. And uh, in this particular album, the one we're talking about today, it's the first time I've ever listened to it. So sometimes, uh, you know, the either Santori or I will listen to a record for the very first time. I know Santori, um, not you know, you're not that much older than me, but you're old enough to where um, your musical influences are just a little bit different than mine. So some of your influential albums, uh, I know you're a big Van Halen fan, right? Yes, I am. Big Van Halen fan. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, and he wanted to talk about uh, you know Van Halen album on one of the future episodes, and you know yes. I haven't really listened to Van Halen that much, so you know in some instances we actually get to listen to one of each other's influential albums for the first time, so that's really enjoyable. Yes. No, that, it, it surprises me. You don't listen to Van Halen. You should. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone should. Everyone should. Everyone should, and, you know, Santorin and I are, are huge heavy metal. Fans. And, yes. You know, maybe I, my metal might be just a, a little <clears> bit <throat> different than Santori's, but um, one thing I really love about music is that the bands that I listened to today were influenced by bands from, you know, a few years ago, those bands were influenced by bands, you know, older than them. And those bands were, so you can actually take the, this musical journey starting with music of today and you know you can go back to the blues of like the late 30s early 40s i mean like billy holiday and uh you know was a give me a, a blues guitarist man i'm like 
Muddy Waters. Muddy Waters. John Thank Lee, you so John much. John Lee Hooker. John Lee Hooker. Uh, Robert King, Johnson. Robert Johnson. BB you know. uh, King. Yes. Yeah. Um, so these, it's so, like yes. it's this music of the the past, the '30s, the '40s, uh, '50s, and especially the the '60s that have set the stage for the music that we enjoy today. And so uh, one of the things that uh, I really enjoy is just kind of looking back and seeing uh, who the, who are the influencers of the people that I listen to today. Um, and this particular band that we're talking about today is um, it's all, I've always heard it's one of the best albums ever recorded. And it's always been talked about as one of the best progressive uh, rock albums ever made. And I've never listened to it. And Santori, <laughs> uh, we're talking about Rush's 2112 today. Why did you choose this album? I choose this album because of the fact that this is what my opinion, and this is all about my opinion. This, you know, there's no facts, <laughs> but there, there might be a little bit. But my opinion is because of the fact that uh, for me, the first time I ever was inter- introduced to Rush was this album. For one, um, they were around. Well, I was five when I first heard of Rush and this album, and it was just it was magical. This the 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 music that I, it was probably the only word I can describe the feeling. It was just like when I heard Twenty One Twelve the the song Overture, um, just the beginning that just you know it's like it was taking you on a journey, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So that influenced me to listen to more Rush, and as I listened to more Rush. I became more of a fan of Rush, and and as I got old, I realized you know how, how underrated Alex Lightbenson is as a guitar player. Becoming a, you know me as learning to play guitar myself, I you know it's a <clears throat> it is a it's a craft and it's an art. And this this man has you know definitely done both of these things, and he's you know he's just an underrated guitar player. And then you got Geddy Lee who also sings, plays bass, and throws a keyboard note every now and then. And then you have the greatest drummer of all time, Neil Peart. I mean, you know, just three just just professional musicians just making wonderful music. And this album is just, you know, it's a concept album. And that's that, you know, when they came out in the 70s, you know, that was pretty much a lot of bands were doing that, making concept albums. And this happened to be their thing. And they made a concept album before this album. And, the critics didn't like it. The, the band label didn't like it, like it, and and they were just like you know this the, the, the twenty one twelve album. From what I understand is this is the album that was either going to make them or kill them, and it you know fortunately made them, but um, accepted. But they were going to do it no matter what, and I I respect that. It's just like you know they had these people tell them they couldn't make a concept album. They're like screw you, we're going to do whatever we want anyway, and they did. And then as years, you know, gone by, they realized, you know, Rush, as long as they're making, you know, the cash registers, you know, the, the band label just, you know, let it go. And you know, as long as they're getting paid, they don't care. You know, it's corporate America shit, but whatever. But other than that, just the reason that they were being told that they can't do what they want to do. is just, I respect that, you know, just be your individuality. And that's pretty much what the, ironically this album's about is individuality. It's like, you know, the songs, you know, Twenty One Twelve Overture in the Temple, the priest of the series is basically, you know, it's an iron fist. The year Twenty One Twelve of these priests have made up, and they control everything. And 
uh, content. And this and that song is basically in the album is basically about this guy who finds an ancient guitar and brings it to the priest. And of course they shut it down and they, they, you know, they control everything. It's like liberate, like liberalism and all this stuff. Um, but um, so he, you know, is pretty bummed out that they, you know, rejected his magical guitar and his ancient guitar that he ends up killing himself. But because he's so distraught. But it's just that, you know, just and in, and in the book and the and the thing that's really cool is that this album was inspired by a book uh, called Anthem from an author named Iron. And, and that's pretty much what the, her books are basically about is individuality and, you know, working to like as yourself and don't let anyone tell you how to do your, 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 your craft, how to make your craft, just make, you know, just you do what you want to do and do the best that you can do about it. And it's all about individuality. And that's, that's why I like this album is because about individuality and it's pretty much, you know, you, you know, there are no rules that people can put on you that you're going to let them do. You're just do what you want to do. And that's it. And I like that. And I respect it. So that's why I like this album. Awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of what we're doing uh, here on Centurion Hawk's favorite albums. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive into the making of the record. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the cultural significance of the album, and then we'll discuss uh, why it's one of our favorites. Um, you were talked about the the overture, the twenty minute overture that uh, when there were things called records took up the entire side A of it, which is unheard of. Um, so uh, let's listen to a little bit of the overture. Twenty One Twelve was released in April of 1976 and was Russia's fourth album. At the time, they were experiencing declining record and ticket sales and were on the verge of being dropped by their label, Mercury Records. By their manager convinced Mercury Records to give them one more shot. And despite the and- record label wanting them to record an album that they could sell to a wider audience, they went a trippy, more progressive sound. Hell, the first song was like 20 minutes alone, and there's only like six out- songs on the entire album. But it worked. In 2112, hit number five in Canada and 61 in the U.S., and it sold over three million albums. It's ranked number two on Rolling Stone's Best Progressive Album. Uh, Santori, uh, can you tell me a little bit what the recording of 2112 was like? Yeah, so they were on tour, and they were um, making, like, writing this record while they were on tour. Um, and they, the only chance that they got to rehearse for this album was uh when they were like doing their sound checks and they would write this album in the dressing room in the car so this album was being made on tour and then they uh actually when they when they uh record the album it took two weeks for them to record it so everything worked out for you know for them being able to rehearse while they were doing their sound check it became a perfection so it was easy for them to record it Man, two weeks. It only took them two weeks to record the album, huh? Yes, it only took two weeks. Uh, when sometimes when you get that uh, that artistic inspiration, you, you know, there's nothing holding you back. Nope, no, nope. no. Nope. Like I said, you know, they're, they're you know they're 22 years old at this time, and this is on the this is their fourth album, and they came up with a concept album before this album, which was Crest Steel, and you know they were already you know did a blueprint of their next album which was 2112 
And they had just, you know, they had just, this is their third album working with their new drummer, Neil Peart, because Neil Peart came in for their second album, which was Five by Night. And the first album was, you know, Rush, titled Rush. And they had a different drummer at the time. And he couldn't drum anymore because of the fact of his illness. He had diabetes and they didn't, the managers didn't think it'd be good for him to go on a road. So they found a new drummer and they replaced him with Neil Peart. And so they would... They they would they did fly by night and then Crest of Steel came out and then of course critics and people didn't like you know, the the record label didn't like the album they did not want them to do another concept album but like I said before the individuality of the band and being you know doing what they want to do and this is who we are take it as it is you know they went ahead and did this album and they like all right like I said Crest of Steel was a blueprint for you know. The, for the next concept album that they were doing and so while uh, they were on tour on tour for the you know promote the rush album the very first ones of fly by night they would have you know time to rehearse while they're doing sound checks at the arena so then they would write the songs in the dressing rooms and you know they made this album happen so it was already in it was already in play as soon as neil Burton had walked in like it was just like pure chemistry and that's that's why I really like this band. You have three guys that are on the same page and that are just so talented and just great musicians. And they made this happen, you know, and that's, that's what every band is trying to get is that kind of chemistry that Rush has. And for me, I mean, I would like to be in a band and that's kind of chemistry. I would like everyone be on the same page and make good shit. So. One thing that really impressed me about this album, like I said uh, before, I have never listened to 2112 and I'm not much of a Rush fan. Um, and I don't think listening to this album will actually you know, propel me to listen to more Rush albums, but uh, I can appreciate artistry. And uh, the way that those three people, especially when Neil Peart joined Rush, uh, it took their, their music to a, a whole other level and the, the amount of sound that they are and the music that they're able to make just the, the three of them. Uh, and they're not doing anything crazy. They're not like adding in layer after layer after layer of drums and, and guitars. I mean, this is like guitar, bass, drums, and they make a lot of fucking sound with that. Um, that's one thing that really inspired me or what really uh, impressed me about listening to Rush for the first time. So uh, you talk about Crest of Steel. So why don't we listen to a little bit of the song, The Necromancer from Rush's Crest of Steel. Nice. So why, why do you think that uh, 2112 has had such a lasting impact on musicians that even today, like you can still hear 
um, bits and pieces of this concept album, even in, in music today. So what do you think that is? Um, my opinion, why I think that is because the fact that it just, I like I you know when you hear the first song twenty one twelve overture just just the sound that you hear come up and just you know you're gonna go on a journey and just everything is so well structured like musically and like just because you have a twenty minute song on one side and then you you forget about there's you know, other like songs on the back and the second album which is really good because like you got passage to bangkok which is basically about you know smoking weed and then you have the twilight zone and then you have lessons which i think is really cool because it's just is is a song that's just pretty much in a way another way of telling people you know this is me this is how i am and if you don't like it this is what's going to do and you know individuality and then there's tears and that's just, you know, it's just such a like soft melody and it's just a pretty song. And just music just it's influential because of the fact that just you have these three talented musicians who are just, you know, just the lyrics, just the words, you know, you, it tells a story. Everything tells a story and just it flows. It just I, don't, I mean, for me, it just it just it's influential because it just it just sounds so good. I mean, that's the only way I can just, just describe. It just sounds so good. That's totally yeah, that's a, totally fair. And um, uh, I think uh, you were talking earlier about, you know, how big of an influence Neil Peart had on Rush. And he was not the original drummer, but the impact that he made on the success of Rush um, really falls to the fact that they made him chief lyricist, right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, because his concept, you know, was basically – he was getting his ideas and his inspiration for his lyrics was, you know, coming from, you know, looks like Fountainhead and Anthem by Iran. And, you know, it just, you know, they just went along with it because, you know, just, it, it worked, you know, I mean, why, why, why fix something that ain't broke? I mean, apparently this guy brought something to the table and that, and that's funny because, you know, they, they would go on tour with Kiss and, and they would spend, you know, they'd go on tour with other bands, but Kiss, I know of a story of the fact that, they used to mess around with Gene Simmons and, you know, Gene would always, you know, have girls all around him and all that. And, and uh, Alex, you know, would like made this guy up and called a bag man, put a bag over his face and just walk around, call himself bag man and just have, you know, you know, good times like that. But the thing is they, they just got a new drummer. So they're going on tour with this new guy. They don't even know him, you know, they just met him. So they, you know, all these other guys or, you know, other groups are, you know, playing around with, uh, you know, the groupies and doing stuff backstage, partying up, doing whatever they do. These guys are just actually, you know, hanging in the room, getting to know Neil. <laughs> they're just, you know, so it's just, you know, it was all new to them because they just got a new drummer and they're on tour. So there was a little party going on in their, you know, their eyes. They're just basically trying to meet their new friend, a new drummer, and, you know, built this great chemistry, which they you know and later on did and turned out to be one of the greatest bands of all time in my opinion but yeah so so you gave us a couple of songs that uh you uh you enjoyed from this album uh first one being the Bas passage to bangkok which is uh a song about going to find weed in the best place <laughs> to find weed which we love here at Chucky pacific we love that kind of music so let's go ahead and listen to a little bit of passage to bangkok I feel stuck in my 
wanted to give a little bit of my impressions of the album, you know, being somebody who's never listened to it before. Uh, first of all, like, didn't realize that the first song was uh, 20 minutes long. Like, I thought it, the way that they have it structured, it sounds like it's different songs. And then I, when I was like, well, they kind of like roped it back all the way to the beginning. And then you're like, oh, this is the first song. Like, I was going into it blind. Jesus. Um, so, like, I was listening to it. I was like, well, like I was really, um, really impressed with that. Um, I, I really dug the the Twilight Zone song because you know, I was a fan of the Twilight Zone, and they wrote the song based on the Twilight Zone. So I thought that was uh, was really good. Um, but the thing that that really stood out to me about this album, and like I said, I really enjoyed the album. Uh, gave me a new respect for Rush. Um, but what made me respect it even more was that the bands that I have enjoyed listening to as I was growing up, like I was a big dream theater fan um, back in the nineties. My brother-in-law gave me a dream theater CD and it was, it blew my mind. Like I was just getting into metal and I never knew uh, about this thing called prog rock. And he gave me this dream theater CD and it blew my mind. And then I'm listening to 2112. I was like, fuck man, that's dream theater. That is dream theater. That is, uh, Born of Osiris, which is my favorite, yes. one of my favorite metal bands. They just put out a uh, prog rock album, and I'm like, I'm listening to them like, that's fucking 2112. I mean, you can hear 2112. You can hear Rush in so much of today's rock, especially anybody who uses a synthesizer or has like crazy drum kits, man. I mean, you can just hear uh, Rush's 2112. Uh, do you get that impression as well? Yeah, and some bands like Dream Theater, you know, I hear a little bit of you know Rush in them. Um, but um, the, I just, I, I, I really, I mean, especially with the synthesizers and all that, I can hear that, I can relate to that, yeah. But like today's rock, I don't really see any bands that like that right now that remind me of anything that Rush sound like, because Rush to me just sounds like they got their own unique sound. And then, I mean, it's very unique and you can hear it being ripped off and other bands but like you know i really don't hear in today's music but well, i don't i don't really say that there's any bands like ripping them off because i don't think right you could really rip off a band because everybody's band is a combination of styles that they've accrued right. on the way um like i said this band born of osiris which is a heavy heavy metal band um you can hear rush in that band but what's crazy is like they have five people in their band and they sound like rushes three i mean the, the amount of sound that like i've said it like earlier the, the amount of sound that rush is able to produce out of three people um is mind-blowing because I, these bands are getting bigger and bigger um if you look at uh dream theater and um i think dragon force was another one that had a, a very similar sound to rush they have like fucking eight people on the stage playing this music and they're trying to replicate something that three people was able to produce. So uh, that's one of the things that really uh, caught my attention, really made me respect them a lot more. Um, I have a question for you, though. Uh, after you listened to it again, um, did you find something new that you didn't hear like the first thousand times that you've listened to? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Like every time I hear a new album, I hear something different. Like, 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 especially with the music part, like I hear like, like, like every time, like lyrics are like always like, I mean, it took me a while to understand the lyrics to those, you know, I mean, to know what he was saying. You would actually have to like listen closely to what he's saying at 2112 Overture. But when you like get the idea of what he sings about, it's pretty, pretty, 
pretty cool and, and just it tells a great story. But, you know, it took me years to understand because I was a kid. I never really, like, you know, really listened. I just listened to the song and whatever. and thought, you know, Gay Lee's voice was just right on. But, um, yeah, I hear, like, different song, like different tones, like, in some of the songs, like, especially in Passage of Bangkok. Like, I hear something new and every time I hear that song for some reason for me. But, yeah. Awesome. I think uh, that... I'd love to end up with uh, one more song. Let's play a little bit more. Uh, Rush's 2112. Uh, give me a song that we should listen to. How should we end out the show tonight? Lessons. Lessons. All right. Lessons from yes. Rush 2112. Listen to him. I suggest that you do yourself a favor and do that, especially hit hit it off of this album, and then go to Fly By Night, and then go to the first one. The first one was good. I mean, it was that's what you know made them. Um, they you know they were fortunate enough. They wrote a song called Working Man, and and they came out and they're from Canada. And they hit America, and they, you know Ohio was when they first played in America. And the reason why it was a song by working man and, you know, everyone's blue collar in Ohio at that time. So, you know, they, you know, everyone could relate to that song. And they, you know, when they first heard the song, they recalled the request signs and say, Hey, can we hear the new Led Zeppelin? Cause they thought first was Led Zeppelin. Like, no, this is a band of Canada called Rush. So yeah, you do yourself a favor and listen to Rush. If you haven't ever heard of them and, and, and um, yeah, keep an open mind. I mean, yeah, I, you will not be disappointed. At all. I also recommend uh, smoking a little weed beforehand yeah. or taking little <laughs> mushrooms beforehand. It'll uh, definitely increase the experience. And these guys were fucked up on weed and mushrooms during the whole recording anyway. So you're just kind of like getting on their level as they were recording it. So I highly recommend that. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> well, that's it. That's Rush's 2112. Uh, our next, uh, next episode is going to be one of my favorite albums of all time. And actually, it's the my favorite of all time, and that's Nine Inch Nails is the Downward Spiral. Uh, it has such a impact on my life, and it's had such a huge impact on pop culture. Uh, I'm excited to talk about that with you guys. Uh, in future episodes, we're also going to be talking about uh, Metallica's and Justin uh, and Justice for All, Van Halen's Two, uh, Joy Division, Nirvana's Nevermind. I mean, we have a, a lot of great albums coming up that we're going to talk about. So uh, we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, you can reach us at themilehighpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow us at www.truckypacific.com. That'll take you to all of our various uh, social media pages because we, we are wide and vast. And uh, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, you can go to our Venmo at truckypacific303. Um, Santori, why don't you plug your stuff before we go? 
Oh, absolutely. I would like to plug in on Wednesday nights, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 Central, 8 Mountain. You can catch uh, Santori What Now with my uh, co-host, number one, Nick, and my DJ, Dr. Detroit, and my good friend, T-Man. And uh, we're there on Wednesday nights. That's a real fun show. And uh, one of the reasons why I asked Santori to do the show with me is because he's like a fucking musical genius. When it comes to music trivia, uh, that dude knows a lot of shit. So it's always fun to see him uh, whip out his big musical dick every once in a while, especially uh, playing uh, Name That Tune on uh, Santori right now. So I highly recommend tuning in on Wednesday nights, on Friday nights on the Chucky Pacific and Mile High Podcast Networks. We have the Mile High Podcast. Um, this is going to be recorded and presented many weeks from now. Um, so I won't tell you, like, the next episode is coming up. But just go in and go through uh, all the, the past episodes of uh, Santori One Now, uh, Mile High Podcast, all that good shit. So uh, that's it, guys. Thank you so much. You have a good night. Thanks for listening. And uh, I wish I had a witty catchphrase to end the show with, but I really didn't. So thanks for listening, guys. Have a good night. This has been a Truckee Pacific production. For sponsorship inquiries and comments, go to the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com.